Hi, welcome to Customer Experience Leaders Chat by Nice Reply, where we talk to support professionals from all over the world and discuss what's behind their team's success. This interview is brought to you by Nice Reply, an all-in-one customer satisfaction tool that helps you measure and improve the quality of your customer service. Today we are here with Sarah Ellenberg, Program Manager at Partner Hero. Thanks for joining us, Sarah. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Great, great. Let's dive right in. Sarah, your specialty inside Partner Hero as a program manager is in the QA world. Um, how do you view support ticket quality assessments within your organization? Well, when it comes to QA, this is a crucial part of a healthy customer service organization. So it's for those who don't have an established QA program, it's basically taking a look at customer service interactions, whether it's live chat, phone, email, and going through it with a fine tooth comb to evaluate what is being done well, what could use some improvement. Um, and it's a really good way just to verify that the customer service associates are doing the things that they were trained to do. So that might be following internal procedures and policies, but also having the, the tone of voice that you want your company to be represented to the customer. Um, and then another component of QA is coaching, which I think we'll talk a, a little bit more about later in the conversation, but that's a crucial element. You have to have the follow-up with the associates from leadership. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's definitely the goal is to, to make sure your, your people are always improving and achieving all the outcomes that you've, you've laid out. Uh, what level of QA coverage do you need to achieve those outcomes that you just listed? Well, there are several schools of thought on this, like depending who you're talking to. Um, some people feel really passionate about certain uh, ways of doing it. Um, so one, one thought and like how many tickets are enough tickets? Some companies, they want to look at interactions that are mainly related to like poor NPS, poor CSAT scores, and they really want to target the interactions that they are QAing. So that could help with efficiency, but that's not going to get the full range of what your associate is actually doing day to day. Um, some companies want an overall understanding of the broad organization. So that could look like doing a random sample with the entire organization. A shortfall of that is you're only going to see like maybe one or two per person per associate like per week. So that's not going to give you like a really strong idea of what each individual is doing, but it will give you a good look at the broad organization. So my stance on it, and I'm a huge advocate of scoring a random sample of tickets at the associate level. So you're going to not target anything. You're not going to target NPS or CSAT. You're going to look at complete random sample. Um, and looking at that, that will give you enough information to actually use QA as a metric at the individual level. And then you can combine all that information you're collecting at the individual level, and you can make generalizations and assessments of the organize, like the organization at large. But you can't, it doesn't work the other way around. Like you can't, use a business size sample to get down to the associate level, but you can always do the other way where you get the associate information and it can cover the wide, the wider organization. No, that, that makes complete sense. And, and these, these sample sizes clearly need to be random in order to avoid any sort of bias or, or anything, um, you know, inserted into the, the program. 
So when you talk about the individual level, you know, uh, QA is, is often seen as that big bad wolf, you know, lurking to discipline bad behavior. And, and I, you know, I, I know in my experience when I've implemented programs like this, um, there's always been pushback at that individual contributor level saying, you know, oh, you know, big brother's looking over my shoulder. How do you, how do you dispel that, that myth or, or is it a myth? Yeah, I mean, I think in some situations, like we would hope that it's a myth. Some situations, it's not a myth. Like it is used often as a disciplinary tool. And that's something that should be. And I highly encourage everyone to use QA as a growth tool. And something that's like, just as much as you're trying to find out if someone is doing something incorrectly, you're also using QA as a way to give your associates a pat on the back. Like you want to catch people doing the right thing, doing good things. So I think this should come from like top down operations manager, team leads, everyone in leadership needs to have an understanding that QA isn't the police. They're not coming to, to reprimand someone for doing something wrong. Um, and is, if that comes from all the way up from the operations managers, then everyone is going to have a good understanding. Then it will be clear at the associate level that Okay, just because I had my QA coaching this week, I shouldn't brace for the worst. I should get a little positive encouragement here. So, yeah, I think there's also some good ways leadership can use QA for like awards and recognition and like really using it as a tool to applaud good behavior. And if associates see, see that, like if they can tell that it's being used as a good thing, then it's going to change their entire mindset and kind of remove that fear. Yeah, and I imagine trust is a big part of this too. Absolutely. Yeah, do, yeah. You, do you find that there's a need to, to change the way a leader approaches when pitching something like this that is uh, pretty uh, intrusive into the day-to-day of an individual contributor? Yeah, and that, that's very true. That's a good point. And I think having a team lead who already has the trust with the associate, like, that someone that is familiar with their work, they're talking to them all the time. Having that specific person instead of like a distant QA team member or someone like that, they already have the trust with their associate. Hopefully, if they're a good leader, they have that trust. Yeah. So they're able to bring in all that they know about that person and target the QA conversation around like, the thing that motivates that person. So there's a lot of trust just in, in that agent lead relationship. Yeah, no, that, that, that's absolutely correct. And I mean, trust is probably something we could spend the next hour talking about. Definitely. Um, so you've, you've positioned the program. So the program's now rolled out. Um, you know, what are the types of things that you look for um, to put into that marking uh, rubric that you would use to do the QA? And also, I'd like to understand, do you make that marking rubric um, public? Like, is that something that everyone knows what they're being measured on uh, and, and, and is very transparent in, in that way? Yeah. Yeah, I'll start with the second half of your question there. I think everyone should know exactly what they're being measured to. And it also makes it easier for people doing QA scoring and coaching. Like if the associate knows what they're supposed to do, then it's like they're going to recognize those things in their work. Um, as far as rubrics go, my number one advice that I cannot argue this strong enough is that the rubric should be as objective as possible. There shouldn't be 
room for interpretation. Like if, say, you and I were looking at the same question, we shouldn't have two different interpretations of what that question is looking for. So sometimes that's hard to do when you want to look for something subjective like empathy. That's a buzzword we use in customer service a lot. Um, so if it's something that is more of a behavior, like you want to be able to, to create a question around that, that you can look at a ticket or listen to on a call and you can hear that for sure based on, you know, if it's you or me looking at it. Um, as far as the rubric overall, there's usually three main categories that you want to try to capture in your questions. Uh, one of them is around compliance. So these are usually things outside of the business, outside of workflows that are driven from like a regulatory board, something like data privacy, data protection, GDPR, things like that. So you want to have a question and this usually shows up in terms of like account verification, things like that. Um, you also want to have a section on what matters to the business. So this could be internal procedures, workflows, refund policies, information is given to the user correctly. Um, and then the final category is the customer facing aspect. Is the associate using the right tone? Are they um, kind of being that supportive voice on the phone? They're not being rude, they're not being angry, kind of the basics there. So compliance, business, customer, those three are good places to start. What, what a great way to summarize it. I mean, I've written probably half a dozen rubrics in my career and not really focused it in that, in that manner. That's, that's a really good framework to, to take on. So finally, you know, investing in a QA department can have a cost. You know, there's, there's obviously time involved. There's, there's obviously time in doing that coaching. How do, how do you measure that success of a QA program if, or how do you pitch that to your leadership to make sure that they see the, the value in, in a program like this? I mean, first and foremost, it's going to assure you of what your associates are doing. And it's going to eliminate some of the risk for leadership, especially when you're looking at compliance-related things, like in protecting customer information. You need to have a good understanding of what your organization is doing. Uh, but in terms of, like, the associate side of things, if they're getting weekly feedback that is giving them props, giving them things to work on, you're going to have a lot more engagement and employee satisfaction because people want to grow. They want to be better at their jobs. And QA is the perfect tool to make that happen. So it's indirectly related, but it can really help with um, turnover on your teams. And if people are engaged and happy, they're going to stay with your company. Um, I don't think anything else that would be good in like a pitching type situation because it is, it's true. It, it has a cost to the business. Uh, one of the standouts would be it will limit, like illuminate some maybe policies or procedures that could use improvement that maybe your company doesn't realize. So I've seen in the past, like a question about associates following a policy. A lot of times, like we're seeing that the policy wasn't being followed. So it raises a bigger question of, well, is this the right policy for our customer? So it can pull out some things like that that you don't necessarily associate with QA, but it can show you some trends of like maybe there's some 
business process improvement that needs to happen. So yeah, I think some those are some of the highlights. Yeah, I mean, all, all good ideas, right? And anything that helps show the a value of making sure that your uh, business is, is going to improve, make sure your individuals are gonna improve. That's, that's all great. Uh, Sarah, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Uh, this, was, this was a great conversation. Thanks for having me. And I wanna thank all of you for listening to Customer Experience Leaders Chat by Nice Reply with today's guest, Sarah Ellenberg from Partner Hero. Uh, Make sure to check out our other support interviews and more quality content at NiceReply.com. NiceReply.com.